What the fuck is up, everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of Olivia's Obscura. How we doing, team? Welcome back. Welcome back. Good to see ya. Good. I, heck, I can't see you. Good to feel your presence, I guess, though, spiritually. It is me, Olivia, of course, as usual. Your funny, kind, sweet, beautiful, sexy, hilarious, electric, magnetic, and humble host of this here podcast, A Glimpse Into My Mind Palace, for better or for worse. And it's good to be back. It is good to be back. It is Sunday, February 4th, and yeah, dude, that's it. Like, that's end of podcast. See ya. Bye. Hey, I am freaking tired. I'm actually, now that I'm sitting down and trying to, like, focus on saying words, I think that I might need to go make myself a little iced coffee situation. Um, so I'm going to do that and then I'm going to be back because I feel my, I feel my eyes like tired and I don't want to feel my eyes being tired. I want to be alert and awake and ready to serve obscure nation. You know what I mean? So I'll be right back. Excuse me. Okay. We are back. We are so back. Um, I, I'm a little sleepy. I'm a little sleepy eepy today. Um, I had an early wake up call the past few mornings. I, Okay, so you guys all know that I was kind of freaking out about my taxes, right? Like, I was kind of, because I owed, like, $1,200 in, oh, my God, excuse me, owed $1,200 in sales tax that I paid half of it on January 31st, and I paid the other half at the end of February, but then on April 14th, I owe, like, my federal income taxes, and I think that ended up being, like, around $700. And then I also, because it was a complex tax return, like I had W-2s, 1099s, and business profit and loss statements. And so I didn't feel confident doing it myself. I went to a CPA to get it done. And that ended up costing me about $500 too. So like, Long story short, y'all, like, I was, like, a little, I'm, like, in the hole because <laughs> of taxes because um, this country is bleeding me fucking dry. But I was, like, okay, this is not good. I have, like, a couple thousand dollars worth of money that I owe to the government. Um, I am presently trying to find a part-time job to kind of, like, float me month to month while I continue doing my freelance stuff and my art and whatever. Um, but that is moving very slowly. There are moves being made, but they are very slow moves. And so I was like, fuck, I need to find just like a gig, like something that I can literally make money doing right now, <laughs> like something short term. So of course I hold my ass to Craigslist cause I love searching on Craigslist. It's kind of like a passion and a hobby of mine. And, um, I saw on Craigslist that, you know, there's so much bullshit on Craigslist and I'd look like, it's like a routine of mine. Like every few days I like wake up in the morning and like go on Craigslist and like see what's the vibe um, for like gigs and like short-term labor. Like you never know what you're going to find. Do I ever find anything good? No, literally no, literally never do I find anything good ever. But here I'm going to reposition myself because, okay, I record in GarageBand and when I am, when I... Okay, let me see. I I hope this is still I hope this you can hear me okay. But I record in GarageBand and 
I record it sitting at a desk. Um, and when I when I'm like looking at the recording, like the sound waves, like as I'm talking, it really throws me off my game. Like it throws me off so bad. I like can't have visual stimulation at the same time that I'm talking, I guess. Um, because it like hypnotizes me and I can't focus on what I'm saying. So I have to, I think I have to redo. I'm finally sick of it enough to the point where I think I'm going to have to like pivot myself so that, okay, I'm on like a swivel chair. And so now I have my swivel chair turned to the side and my feet up on the L of the desk. Cause it's like an L shaped desk. So I'm like chilling. I'm mad chillaxing right now. I got my feet up, dude. I'm taking a freaking load off. Um, and now I am looking out my window instead of at the TV and, or not at the TV, instead of at the computer garage band track recording. So we'll see how that works for me. Um, what was I even fucking talking about? Jesus Christ. Okay. Back to business. Um, I was like, I need to make some money real quick. So I was on Craigslist. I found a listing. It was the most recent listing. Cause I always sort by newest and I always sort within a five mile radius because I when we get into 10 miles um that's like really far like a t- like 10 miles away dude like that's like freaking in a different town like I can't do that I can't <laughs> like I am such a neighborhood girl like I just keep me in my area okay um and so obviously that like that tightens things up a bit. I'm not going to get as many listings if I have my radius that tight and I sort by, well, I'm all, I always sort by newest because people post shit on there all the time and forget to delete it. So I really don't have any interest in seeing anything from about longer than four days ago because God knows if they're even going to reply to the text you send. I saw a listing, the most recent one posted last week on like a, I think it was Wednesday. They were like, we need help with a mural installation downtown on a building downtown. We're looking for people who have experience with murals and with painting um, to come help us like finish up some finishing touches. And I said, perfect. I can do that. Per- I got it. I got you. They're paying like $30 an hour. I said, sign me, sign me up, put me in coach. Okay. So I texted the number. Um, they were like, yeah, sounds great. Um, sounds like you're a good fit. Come on down. Um, you need a helmet. <laughs> you need a hard hat and a safety vest to get on site. Um, but don't worry. We have those for you. We'll meet you with them outside of the construction site. Because it was at this building that is not yet open. Like in downtown San Diego, they're building some hullabaloo of a building park. Like some sort of corporate building park. I don't know. I don't, I don't fucking know. It was like right on the harbor. It's beautiful, like on the bay. I don't know if it's... What's the difference between a harbor and a bay? That's for me to find out later. I can't do that right now. Um, Point being, it's right on the water. And it's beautiful. Like, the location was beautiful. We were on the fourth floor. Um, So I get there. I put my little freaking helmet on. I show up. This was on a Wednesday that the text that I saw the listing, I texted the contact, whatever. Thursday morning, I had a... 5.30 a.m. wake up call because I had to be down there by seven Um, and I have to park downtown and I borrowed Ty's car and whatever Um, because as we all know I don't have a car that is that is a pretty big part of my personality at this point in time is that I don't have a car and Ty wasn't using his car so I said okay I'm gonna use your car they needed me for 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday to help me varnish and like touch up some of the paper on the mural. I'm going to get into that. I'm like getting out of myself here. This also isn't that riveting of a story. And it was all for me to set the scene of why I'm tired. Okay. The reason being I had to get up at the ass crack of dawn, which I haven't done since I worked as a barista. So I was up at 5.30, three mornings in a row, which I just am not used to. Like I have turned into such a softie. Like I literally am like the queen of having a slow morning now that I work from home. Like I am, I am rolling out of bed between 8.30 and 9.30. I am drinking my coffee. I'm like having, I'm having a slow morning. Like I would say now that, cause now I like don't have, since I do like work from home for myself, majority of the time, what have you, I am not beholden to anybody's schedule. Like I'm not, I don't have to work 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. or anything like that. Left to my own devices, my day, my brain really gets going around 1 p.m. Like that is actually when I feel like awake and alert and like creatively inclined and focused until then I just am like I don't know like I just I gotta have a slow morning and then I usually I usually I don't like work in like a chunk like an eight-hour chunk either like I kind of just like spread my stuff out during the day so that's like not relevant literally at all but just if you're wondering if you're curious about how I choose to work I usually work from like a couple hours in the afternoon and then I'll like take a walk and then I'll come work a few more hours like do a couple more things I need to do And then I'll like probably make some dinner, do whatever. And then maybe I'll work later in the evening from like seven to like nine or something like that. I don't know. I'll like putz around in the morning. Like in the morning when I'm slow and like waking up, that's when I usually like do my emails. Like I'll check my email. I'll write any emails that I need to do. If I need to like post, well, I post on like TikTok and Reels like every or Instagram, not always reels. Reels used to be a bigger thing now. Like everyone for a while was like, you got to post reels or no one's going to see your Instagram shit. And now the algorithm seems to have changed. People are putting more emphasis again on the grid posts. I'm like, guys, I literally can't keep up. Like I'm literally just trying to sell my fucking shit. You know what I mean? Like, can you just, can we make it predictable for one full calendar year? That would be awesome. Thank you. Um, but in the morning, I usually like do my emails and like edit any videos that I'm going to post or like schedule my social media posts for the day or whatever. Anyway, not the point. Literally such a such an off topic sidebar that happened. But basically, I was doing manual physical work for Thursday, Friday and Saturday for like six to nine hours a day, mm, seven to nine hours a day. I had and yeah and like I know I know oh my god I know oh my god some people work 12 hour days all day I know dude I know that some people work all day doing physical manual labor 40 plus hours a week I don't so my body is not used to it So I feel like I got hit by a car today because I, we were working on, the mural was spread out between four floors. So it went like from the ground floor up the stairwell, up the entire one side of a stairwell. And then it wrapped around the entire like outer area of an upstairs, 
like on the fourth floor, like a patio area. Um, so it was massive. It was fucking giant. And I was up and down scaffolding and ladders and stairs for three days straight, which is, I'm, I just don't do that often. So yeah, did I have to foam roll the fuck out of my calves this morning? Absolutely. I absolutely did. They hurt so bad. My knees, because I was kneeling so much, my knees hurt, my ass hurts. Um, But okay, to be honest with you, it was so much fun. I didn't realize how much I liked doing work like that because it wasn't the same thing. Like it was when I worked at the food bank in Oregon, like I was in a warehouse most of the time. So I was running around like being like doing dirty stuff, (laughs) like hauling pallets, like doing like physical work that involved a lot of movement. And I did that for, you know, like three, two or three years or something. I don't even remember. Go. Hey, I'm not to plug my first episode again, but in my very first episode that I released back in November, I rank all of the jobs that I've ever had and I divulge more information about each of my jobs. So if you are curious, go listen to my very first episode. I think it's called um, This Is Your Captain Speaking. But I was like running around all day at that job. I was like hauling pallets, lifting heavy things, like getting so many steps in during the day when I worked at the food bank. And I didn't realize like how much I liked doing that kind of tangible work because at the mural site, it was kind of the same thing. Like I was given like, you know, a bucket of varnish and like a bucket of wheat paste and was like, go paste down some paper on the mural because the mural was not painted. It was, well, they had done like a base coat of paint on the entire surface, but the actual like images of the mural were done by paper cuts. And you guys, if you, okay, it was done by this artist named Swoon. Like the the installation was commissioned from this studio in New York City. The artist's name is Swoon. I think her real name is, they were calling her Callie, but I think her name is Caledonia. Um, that's her full name, Caledonia Curry, I believe. Um, she's a super cool street artist out of New York City. I didn't know it was her mural when I like saw the Craigslist listing. I was just like, oh, cool. Like I have those skills. I need money. I will be there. When I showed up, the like person who was managing the project was like, so we're finishing up a mural installation for Swoon. And I was like, like Swoon? Oh my God, I know Swoon because I know Swoon because I put her in my presentation. I'm like, I do these little workshops through a nonprofit, they like contract me to do workshops for middle schoolers, for sixth graders. Um, And part of that entails, it's a printmaking workshop, a lino cut printmaking workshop um, that like teaches them a little bit about the history of printmaking. And so I have a presentation and I have Swoon in my presentation as an example of a contemporary printmaker to show the kids. And so I'm like, she's very much on my radar because she does these giant lino cuts. Like they are super fucking cool. But when I got there and I found out that it was a spoon mural, I was like, clout. Like, oh my God, like clout. I'm kind of clouded up right now. Like I love it. You know, you know, I eat that shit up. Okay. So I was like in, I was like so stoked that I found this on Craigslist and it didn't turn out to be, you know, every time you, you, you go to something that you find on Craigslist, you're always just like kind of a baseline level of happy because you didn't get murdered. You know what I mean? So then to find out on top of that, that I was actually doing a really sick art project for like a really cool artist. I was like, that's iconic. That's iconic. Um, 
but so yeah, I was doing like this kind of physical work, like tangible work. I was scraping off, like, you know, doing all this little detail work. I had a little tiny brush and I was like filling in these little white lines and I was like making everything look perfect. And we had to varnish the entirety of the like paper cuts because they obviously had to be like waterproofed because it's a indoor outdoor space. Like it is very much exposed to the elements. So we had to do that. And I didn't before the artist team had flown out, like I think two weeks before. So they'd been there working on it for like three weeks already. So like I didn't put like, I didn't even do any of the big stuff. Like I literally just hopped in at the end and I did like I literally just helped like varnish and do like end and like very finishing details. Um, but it was like so satisfying and like I loved I don't know why like <laughs> this is going to sound so weird because I know I always talk about how I like don't like work and I like don't aspire to work. But doing that I was kind of like taken back in time to when I worked like did physical labor like that at the food bank and it was like. I felt like so much purpose doing it more so than when I am doing not work like that. Like I felt more like it's a type of purpose that I feel that I don't feel when I'm working, you know, in retail or as a barista. Like I think it's because it's like very tangible and like I could see what I had gotten done. Like I had a brush, I had a bucket of varnish and I had a giant fucking wall and I could, it was like satisfying and fulfilling <laughs> to be able to do the work physically and then see it done in front of you. Like that, and I think that's why I get so much fulfillment out of just doing like art on a small scale. Like I think like, and I've said this before, like that's why I bought in so much into lino cut printmaking when I first discovered that a few years ago, because like it just even more than like painting or drawing or anything, like there is something about the physicality of the medium of like carving and of rolling out the ink and inking the, the block and making the physical print. Like there's something that I like really align with in terms of that whole process. I don't know. Like, I think it's just because I like, like there's something meditative and just like very satisfying about having this like tangible thing that you can see, like where I carved out the image and whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's like resonating with anybody, but on a large scale, like I was living for these three days that I was working on this mural because First of all, I loved being in a collaborative environment like that with other people who were artists of like all different kinds of backgrounds and mediums. And they had all flown out from New York City. So, of course, they were like New York City cool girls and cool people, um, obviously. So I was eating that up, too. They were also just like the nicest people who just like, yeah, great, connected like right away. I was like feeling so lucky that I got to work with like actually like cool people and not like grumpy old men, you know, cause you never know. But yeah, I like, I don't know. I don't know what the end of that story was supposed to be, but I guess like, I just like felt so much purpose and I felt so satisfied and fulfilled. And like, you know, like at the end of each day, like I was like excited to go back the next day and like finish the work because I thought it was cool. I like, you know, respected the process. Like I thought that everything about it was just super cool. And like, it was incredible to kind of even just be there for the tail end of the process because 
It was crazy from Thursday to Saturday, like the way it, the state it was in when I showed up on Thursday to like the finished product 48 hours or so later on Saturday was like such a big difference. And it was like, I just feel like I learned so much from being there for even just that short amount of time. Um, so yeah, now I'm kind of addicted. I like really need someone who does murals to contract me to come help them <laughs> do a mural ASAP. Okay. I am like ready. Put me in the friggin' guys. I got to wear a helmet. I got to wear a safety harness. I got to crawl up and down the scaffolding. I was so brave. You wouldn't even believe it. Um, but yeah, I'm like kind of addicted. I like really need another gig like that because I was having actually so much fun. They paid me, but low key, I was like, I probably would have been here for free because I was just like, no, that's not true. That's not true. That goes against my belief system. Maybe if there was a trade involved, you know what I mean? I just think that I should, you know, definitely people should be compensated for their work, but that's a tangent. I can't go on that tangent right now. I'm stopping myself. <laughs> Last week, I spent the majority of the episode just kind of like shooting the shit stream of consciousness style, and it was received very well, and I had a lot of fun doing it. So we're just continuing to ride that wave, to surf that wave, to fucking hang 10 get fucking ripped we are hanging onto that wave toes curled over the edge of the board absolutely shredding the wave into this episode what the hell am i talking about i'm gonna start with talking about uh the media that i have been consuming since we last talked um the first i have a list i've been keeping a list of podcast agenda items week to week um, because I don't know, like I usually record these on Saturday or Sunday and then by the time like the next Saturday or Sunday rolls around, I've already forgotten about the stuff that I did after I recorded last week's episode. So because I have the time, like short term memory of a pigeon or whatever. So I have been keeping a little bullet pointed list and I actually find it to be a very helpful way to auditorily, orally, that's A-U-R, orally process um, my week and reflect on it. Not to be too earnest, but like I really am not good at journaling, um, but I do enjoy talking. I do enjoy talking stuff out and not to say that this is valuable reflection in any way, but I mean last week, I don't know, last week I got... I got into some of my fears and hopes regarding death, uh, life, the afterlife, etc. Um, I don't know if we're getting getting there today, okay? I think we're going to keep things pretty surface level today. But if you would like a glimpse into the back rooms of my mind palace, go check out last week's episode. Um, first thing on the agenda. Ty and I watched that movie Dumb Money uh, earlier this week. And it's the one about... The GameStop, GameStop, dude, fucking the GameStop stock thing that happened. I think that was at like the end of 2020. Um, basically, it was like this guy. Okay, I actually have to look up. I don't even remember the plot of the movie at this point. And I am such an idiot about the stock market that, well, me and Ty both just kind of know nothing about like stocks. <laughs> so we had to keep pausing the movie when they like said some term that we didn't know to like fact check what the term meant because we actually didn't know. We didn't know shit about dick. 
Okay, it's about this guy named Keith Gill, and he was like a streamer online, and he like sunk all of this money into GameStop stock, and he turned it into like this giant meme that blew up, and like a ton of people who like followed his streams started buying into this stock, and there was like this like Reddit thread that they used to like follow his moves when it came to the market, and I think it was like r slash wall street bets or something and like it follows his this whole crazy thing where like the stock like absolutely skyrocketed in value and like all of these people who bought the stocks like super low got rich like literally overnight um and it was like all of these it, it was kind of like an underdog tale you know what i mean like it was like an i wouldn't call it an eat the rich tale but it was like a it was like the layman, like the regular people of the world, like flipping the script on Wall Street and like screwing all of these billionaires out of a ton of money by like, you know, organizing, which, you know, I love, I love community organizing. Okay. So like I did really resonate with that part of this, but Paul Dano plays Keith Gill and Paul Dano, I was familiar with his work from, uh, from Swiss army man fame, uh, which was another movie that Ty made me watch that he was familiar with that I wasn't with it is Paul Dano and is it Andrew Garfield hello um I think so I didn't think I was gonna like this movie it's from 2016 and yeah oh no dude it is Daniel Radcliffe not Andrew Garfield um they kind of have the same energy though no as in terms of like characters they play maybe I'm very off in that um Maybe it's it's actually probably just because they're both British. Like, that is probably where my confusion lies. Um, but, yeah, The Dumb Money, it stars Paul Dano. Shailene Woodley is his wife. Um, as in a, a Secret Life of the American Teenager Head, definitely always, I always screech when I see Shailene Woodley in something. She's one of my favorite blind item celebrities. I loved, I was trying to, <laughs> oh my God, I was trying to explain to Ty the other night. Well, I wasn't trying to explain. I was like, put a pin in that. I'm going to explain it later because I always forget that people aren't familiar, like people, <laughs> people aren't familiar with like b blind items the way that I am. I have been consuming blind items for like four or five years at this point. And people who don't consume blind items have just a completely different knowledge of Hollywood like it's just it's like it's it's not the wrong like they're <laughs> how do I say this it's not true the stuff that's in blind items but it is just like common lore in the blind item community and like I am in a lot of blind item communities online and so I do forget sometimes that not everyone is familiar with like the blind item scandals and so I was trying to explain to Ty the Aaron Rodgers Shailene Woodley of it all and like I just I couldn't I actually might have to do an Aaron Rodgers Shailene Woodley like episode at some point because that their like relationship in like 20 like 19 to like 2021 or whatever like that was insane and I need to talk about it more so I think I might I'm gonna put a pin in it again but yeah not to how did I even start talking about this oh because Shailene Woodley is in Dumb Money um and then Seth Rogen is in it and so is America Ferreira my mommy my queen I love her um, she was so good in this role. I loved it. And then Pete Davidson is also in this movie. He is 
uh, Paul Dano's brother in the movie, who's like a stoner loser burnout who like lives with his parents still. Um, but essentially, yeah, the movie just kind of like followed his, like the rise of the stock and like it also followed it and like it didn't really, I'm trying to remember how it ended, but it also followed his Congress. Like he had to testify to Congress because I have to fact check something again. Sorry, I'm such an idiot. Okay, he had to testify to Congress on the GameStop situation because of some, like, they thought that he had, like, tricked people into investing to, like, purposefully inflate the stock. And he was like, no, that is not what I did or whatever. I will say, like, Paul Dano is so charming, like, such a good actor. Like, he played this role really well. And I had, like, so much sympathy and, like, such a soft spot for him, like, in this role. But I'm not familiar with the real Keith Gill, like, Roaring Kitty. Like, that is a real guy. Like, this movie, as far as I'm concerned, like, is pretty much, like, the exact retelling of the story. And, like, I don't know. That's probably not true. I don't know if, like, the family dynamic and that kind of stuff was the same. But, um, like, his online presence and everything, they stayed pretty true to the story, as far as I know. But I just know that probably in reality, I have a feeling that, like, the real guy, like, the real Keith Gill is probably, like, insufferable. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't know. I feel that way about most people who are into stonks um like to that level so I do feel like I probably like it's probably good that I watched the dumb money movie without knowing anything about him because I have a much more favorable view of him now because of how like sweet and cutie Paul Dano was in the movie um but yeah I I was laughing because I'm like oh I'm sure that like the real Keith Gill is probably like I'm sure he would annoy the fuck out of me and I'm sure I would have hated his streams. No, like no, no shade, not to even shade him. It's just kind of like not my scene. You know what I mean? Um, But, oh, okay. What I was going to say is that he had this dedicated community of people who followed his every move when it came to the GameStop stock and he would post spreadsheets of his investments on reddit like every single day and these people it was kind of like a like it was like a meme stock cult i think that's what people are calling it or have called it in the past and these people would like hang on to his every move and they trusted him and they were like we're holding out as long as he holds out like i'm not selling if he's not selling and so the stock like rose and rose and rose it like people had so much money tied up in these stocks and then the stock fell and people lost all this money and then it rose again and it was like a real like woo 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 up and down up and down situation um but throughout the movie people kept like seeing their number like their the value increase and they were like should I sell should I sell like it was a constant thing throughout the movie of like when should they sell should I hold out like should I sell and I was thinking that I do not have what it takes to be someone to hold out like that like these people were seeing like millions and millions of dollars in their bank account people who were like you know canonically in the story like were in debt were in student debt credit card debt whatever like needed money to support their family their education whatever um Like they didn't have money. (laughs) They were, they had a negative net worth because the other thing they did at the beginning of the movie as they were introducing the characters, they introduced everyone with their net worth and then it kind of kept tracking their net worth 
net worth on the screen throughout the movie, which I really liked. I don't know. I'm just a numbers guy. You know what I mean? But these people who had started off the movie with like a negative $100,000 net worth were seeing millions of dollars on like in their Robinhood app or whatever, where they were tracking the GameStop stock. And I would have literally sold that stock so fucking fast. Like I would have not, I would have made it to probably, mm, if I'm, I don't even know until I'm in that situation. You know what I mean? But like, hypothetically, if I'm imagining what I would do if like I had bought into the GameStop stock and I was all of a sudden seeing it rise and rise and rise in value every single day, like exponentially, I think realistically I would make it to about $100,000 and I would immediately cash out. I would sell that stock. I would have $100,000 in my pocket because to me, $100,000 would fucking change my life, dude. I could pay off my credit card debt. I could pay my taxes. I would be rolling in it okay I would be rolling in the dough I would have money in a savings account I like a hundred thousand dollars I would feel like a rich 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 woman and I couldn't believe that I was seeing people in the movie and presumably in real life this reflects people in real life who had no money and just kept waiting it out and holding onto the stock and not selling it and I was just like infuriated because I'm like you could pay off your debt 10 times over with the amount of money that you have tied up in the stock. Sell the stock, like take the money and run, dude. Like I'm such a take the money and run kind of person. Like at the casino, like the few times that I've been in a casino, like I want, I like, if I make like 50 bucks, I'm like, I'm taking, like I want the 50 bucks. Like I want the 50 bucks way more than I want to put it back into the game I was playing. Like I am just such a take the money and run kind of person. Like, and I don't know, like, I don't know, like, I couldn't imagine right now if I opened up, like, an investment app and I saw that, you know, for the past few days I've made, like, $30 million off of a stock, like, I would sell that shit. (laughs) I would sell that shit so fast and I wouldn't tell anybody. I wouldn't tell anybody. I'm not trying to get murdered. Pete Davidson was also good in this movie. I don't know. I just like enjoy him in anything that he's in. Like I love whenever he makes a cameo in a movie. Like I've just always had a little bit of a soft spot for Petey. Okay. I just think he's a sweetie. I want the best for him. All right. But there was a scene in the movie when the two brothers were riding in the car with their parents. Like the two adult sons were like in the back seat and the parents were in the front seat, which is always funny. Like, I don't know. It is just like funny when... Like, like when I go home and it's like my parents and me and my sister who are like adults in the car, like it does feel so juvenile to like have your kids in the back seat like when they are adults. You know what I mean? Like there is just something funny about that dynamic because like what else are you supposed to do? You know what I mean? Like a car has four seats for a reason and it's not, it is just like funny though. Like you do feel like a little kid when you are like sitting in the back seat with your sibling, even if you're both like 25 um, and your parents are in the front seat. Like, I don't know anyone else relate, whatever. So I just kind of think that's like a funny visual anyway. Um, And then Pete Davidson's character 
referenced Jimmy Buffett, but he meant Warren Buffett. He was like, yeah, Keith thinks he's the new Jimmy Buffett. And the dad was like, Warren Buffett. You're talking about Warren Buffett. And I screeched when I heard that because I have a long and storied history with Jimmy versus Warren Buffett. I kind of thought that they were the same person until I was maybe like 18 or 19 years old. I just like thought that Jimmy Buffett I don't even know, like, I can't even, and this has happened with other people too, but like, I guess I just kind of thought like Jimmy Buffett got his start as like a songwriter who like sang about Margaritaville and whatever, and then like turned himself into like a hotshot investor who like made billions and then just kind of like continued to make music from an island where he lived with his lost shaker of salt and whatever. I don't know, dude, like that, it just made sense to me. It made a ton of sense to me that Jimmy Buffett and Warren Buffett were kind of just like one guy. Um, also famously, I I think this was when I was in high school. I didn't, I thought that Harrison Ford was a former president of the United States. Like, I, can't, I can't defend this one. Okay. But I didn't realize that Harrison Ford was like a current present day actor who like isn't ancient and dead. Like, I really thought that he had been, like, a United States president in, like, maybe the early 20th century. Like, you just kind of, something about the name Harrison Ford. Like, it's just very presidential. And so I was kind of gagged when I found out that he was, like, alive and well when I was in high school. (laughs) Guys, I just Googled Harrison Ford, like, just to kind of, like, get, I just needed to see him because he has I do not there is something about his face that is so un like I cannot for the life of me remember who Harrison Ford is if you put Harrison Ford in a line of 10 other old men I would never be able to guess which one he is and just from googling him the first thing (laughs) for some reason because I googled I just googled Harrison Ford the first thing that comes up is a generative AI overview for the search because Google Chrome now on one of my accounts I have like three Google accounts that I use regularly for different things and on one of my Google accounts Google Chrome accounts I get these AI and I'm gonna talk (laughs) I can't believe this this fishtails with another thing that I'm gonna talk about later that has to do with the Google generative AI but when you sometimes at the top if you don't have this feature Before any of the other results that you see, you get this generative AI search compilation where they, and it's bad. Like they put bad information on there. Like I've seen some stuff on there that I'm like, that is not true. Like this AI is really bad. And the fact that it's the first thing that you see when you Google something, like I can see how some people would just be like, oh, there's my answer. Like... (laughs) that's that's good but it's like sometimes not true like you have to check I just think it's like kind of misleading because I don't know I just think it's misleading anyway the first thing that comes up in the Harrison Ford profile there's three headshots and there's an article linked from pajiba.com p-a-j-i-b-a dot com seems to be some sort of independent news outlet But I am gagged because the headline is, if Harrison Ford dies of a sudden heart attack, wife Callista Flockhart will know why. 
by Emma Chance, posted on January 29th, 2024. It has 54 comments. Okay, guys, I have to read this article out loud. Are you ready to go on this ride with me? Harrison Ford is 81, and every time I read a headline about him starring in a new film, I brace myself for what I assume will be the next headline. Quote, Harrison Ford dead in tragic acting accident. End quote. Because this man needs to cool it. You're going to call me an ageist. (laughs) but I don't care. I'm simply worried about the health of a national treasure. But if the headline reads, quote, otherwise healthy Harrison Ford dead of sudden inexplicable heart attack, just ask his wife, Callista Flockhart, 59, who apparently refers to herself as the scare monster of their house. What happened? Why does she refer to herself as the scare monster? What the fuck is this article? Okay, there's a video from Callista. I think this is... Wait, then it kind of like cuts out because the next paragraph is... But that's not the only trick up the scare monster's sleeve. I'll put a plastic spider inside his big ice cubes in the tray and then he'll drink it, she said. I'm picturing the kind of ice cube one might put in a rock glass to enjoy with the spirit. So we're talking about a large ice cube slowly melting into the booze it floats in to reveal a plastic spider. Who are the famous prank people? Impractical jokers? Ashton Kutcher? Eat your heart out, Ashton. Guys, okay. Hey, Emma. Emma Chance. I think that maybe you need to rethink your career choice. I think you're probably a lovely, lovely girl. And I'm sure that you are so smart. But based on this article, I think that maybe journalism is not <laughs> for you. I guess I just can't believe that that is the first article that came up when I Googled Harrison Ford. Like, holy shit. Let me read the comments on this bad boy. Okay. Pajiba.com. I got to check more on this. Come on. Where are the comments? Show comments. Four days ago, my mom mentioned the other day that she has taken to jumping out behind doors to scare my dad. I had the same reaction to you as you to this story. Mom, he's almost 80. You're going to put him in the hospital. She just laughed. No, it's okay. He likes it. From Tyler DFC. This is, who is commenting on pajiba.com? From Jane Doe. Not my thing, but it seems to work for both of them. I'm biased, though. They're probably my favorite low-key Hollywood couple. Um... From John six days ago. When you smoke as much pot as Harrison Ford, each prank can still be brand new every time. I didn't know that. Is Harrison Ford a pothead? <laughs> it's fucking funny. Um, okay, so I actually just can't believe that there is such a vibrant comment culture happening on this website. I need to figure out more about this, Pajiba. Maybe maybe now I'm thinking, is it Pajiba? Is it, a, is it like a... J, that's an H type of sound. I can't find, oh, about, here we go. This website does look like it hasn't been updated since 2002, perhaps. Oh, there we go. Pajiba was established in 2004 as a small political blog that eventually found a larger audience, as well as a variety of voices from different backgrounds across the United States and Europe. We cover film, television, politics, celebrity culture. Current and former staff members of Pajiba also write for a variety of other publications, including Vanity Fair, The New York Times, Nerdist, Screen Rant, Ump Rocks, The Mary Sue, CBR.com, and Sci-Fi, among others. For more about the origins of the name, click here. Okay. Oh my God, they're based out of Santa Monica. Okay. Um, David Letterman, the origins of Pajiba and the meaning behind the site's name. What the heck? 
the first thing on this article is, okay, this is by Dustin Rowles from May 20th, 2015. The first thing is a publisher's note that says, this is a long story. It involves David Letterman, the origins of Pajiba, and a fallout that ended a formative lifelong friendship. By the end of the piece, however, I promise that I will finally reveal the meaning of the word Pajiba, or at least the origins of the term. Oh my God, I'm sold. Wait, this is not where this episode was supposed to go, but I'm kind of, now I have to scan this article, okay? I'm like really bought in on, I'm like really invested in the background of Pajiba right now and what it has to do with David Letterman. And maybe it'll tell me how, I can pronounce it. Okay, this is actually tea. I can't believe that I'm in on this like niche news website, independent news website drama, okay? But basically the creator of this site had this childhood friend named Timmy and apparently they bonded deeply over their love of David Letterman together. And the guy who is writing this article is named Dustin. They grew up in Arkansas together. They were friends from the time that they were... um, like little little kids is how I get the vibe um yeah he was 10 yeah 10 or 11 doesn't really matter but they were little kids that became friends they were obsessed with David Letterman and apparently okay the name I thought it was gonna be like an actually good story behind the name but it's not (laughs) apparently it was just like they timmy and dustin had each come up with a word that was like a nonsense word that didn't mean anything and they would like try to slip it into conversations with other people when they were together um and like never released the definition it was just like an inside bit it was just like a bit a gag that they do together um that's not what i wanted to talk about what i wanted to talk about is this paragraph but what happened to timmy I haven't really spoken to him in eight years now, save for a brief interaction at a film festival six years ago. And this site is at the center of our falling out. Formerly, we fell out because he made fun of my newborn son's name and he emailed me a, quote, breakup letter after the argument that ensued. But that was really just the rock that broke the monkey's back. There are a hundred different other reasons that we would have eventually fallen out, but it was this site that generated most of the conflict. We had started it together, but it was my site and we had different visions for it. Mine involved creating a profit and his involved spending a week to write a movie review. Granted, he was very good at it. And then that links to a broken link um but it doesn't come up with anything but the like slug is pajiba.com slash film reviews slash brokeback mountain.php and i am pissed that i can't read that because i'm a brokeback mountain head um anyway i can't believe that he is just airing out um i can't believe he's just airing out his drama with his childhood friend oh my god i would never do that i don't think I could. I would be mortified if they, if like any, if I did this and like the person I was writing about figured it out. How do people, I do not understand how people air out shit like this on the internet. And like, I mean, like this is its one thing. This is like a website that was founded in like 2004. So I get that. And people used to use the internet differently. But present day, the way people air shit out on TikTok I'm like, do you have no, like, sense of repercussions? Like, and maybe I care too much about what other people think. But, like, if I started airing shit out about people, like, I went to high school with and, like, using their names and whatever, like, oh, my God. Like, how do I know they're not going to see it, first of all? Second of all, 
I don't know. Like, I would just never do that. And I would never want someone to do that to me. Oh, my God. <sighs> anyway, Dustin, Timmy, hope you're doing well. Um, love that story. Thank you, Obscure Nation, for going on that ride with me um, down the history of pajiba.com. <laughs> Next on the agenda, um, I did a Breaking Dawn Part 1 rewatch last night with Montana um, I have seen that movie once, probably in like 2017, and I don't really remember it. So I was due for a rewatch, and me and Montana were trying to figure out what movie we wanted to watch last night. And I just really wanted to watch Renesmee. You know, like I was like, put on whichever portion of Twilight has Renesmee in it, and that is Breaking Dawn Part 1. And it was a riveting watch. Like, it... It, it was, I don't really have the words for it. You know, like it's speechless. Like the Twilight franchise really did something. Like they were really doing it. No one was doing it like them. But I don't really want to talk about Breaking Dawn part one. What we want to talk about, and by we, I mean I, what I want to discuss today is some things that I have since figured out, since that I have since learned about vampire dick and cock and penis so please strap in for a really educational conversation about vampire boners and jizz okay (laughs) trust me this is very important business me and montana were sitting here last night and she goes if he doesn't have blood like how can he get a boner? And I was like, whoa, that's a really good point. Like, I actually didn't ever think about that because, like, I don't really think that much about vampires because I, like, I wasn't a twihard, like, when they came out. You know, like, I've watched the Twilight movies now that I'm older, but, like, I wasn't into them when they were coming out originally. It just wasn't really my scene. I was also, like, 10 years old, so, like, I don't know, not just wasn't my thing when I was 10. You know what I mean? I was really intrigued by the question of how vampire boners work. And then we were also like, if he is so old, like how old is Edward Cullen? He is 104 years old canonically. So we're wondering like, how does that affect Like, does that affect his fertility? Like, what's the situation with vampire sperm? You know, like, there's just a lot of unanswered questions that we had. So I obviously took to Google and they served me with an excellent, oh my God, excuse me. And Google served me with an excellent generative AI answer, okay? Okay, it starts off with a disclaimer as always. Generative AI is experimental. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, I Googled what I, I just want to kind of take you guys along on the ride here because, you know, I was just Googling. I wanted to figure out how vampires have sex, have babies, whatever. Um, so I Google, like any normal person would, how does vampire penis work? And you better believe that so many other people have also had this question. So I'm feeling like a really 
big sense of belonging upon finding that obviously this is a a pressing matter for a lot of people. Like a lot of people want to know about vampire dick. So let me read to you what the Apple generative AI has told me. In some vampire media, vampires can have functioning reproductive organs. For example, in Twilight, Edward can get an erection by spending his blood. I don't know what that means. Spending his blood? Whatever. In Twilight, Edward's cells have been burned and crystallized by venom, which makes his sex cells dead. So then we're going, okay, then this links then to a Goodreads forum from 2011, okay? We're going on another rabbit hole here. Edward is dead. His cells have been burned and crystallized by venom, as described by Stephanie Meyer herself. Therefore, his sex cells, sperm, are also dead. Dead cells aren't functional. His sperm couldn't pass on DNA and fertilize an egg. So no, it really shouldn't be possible for him to get Bella pregnant. Um, and oh my God, so wait, this came out before... Did this Goodreads forum happen before the book came out where Bella got pregnant? Because they're talking about it in hypotheticals. Because then the same person that wrote that about the sex cells writes... If she's brave enough to put sex in her books, which younger audiences read, I don't see why she couldn't use the word semen. However, because this is a fictional book, I'm perfectly happy to accept the use of magic. And then she also goes on to say, um, I just went and read her explanation on her website. I don't really agree with it. Specialized semen venom is not a replacement for a living cell needed to reproduce with a human. But since it is her book, I'll ignore it and give her the benefit of the doubt. I suppose there aren't any scenes, but it would have but even implied would make it PG-13 if it was a movie. Yeah, in all fantasy books, there's going to be something unrealistic that doesn't make sense in real life. So maybe I just won't say anymore. Oh my God, okay. Wait, guys, this Goodreads thread is fucking killing me. This is another message from January 8th, 2011. Whoa. Oh wait, this is the OP. Okay, yeah. So the original poster posed the question, is it physically possible for Edward to get Bella pregnant? Oh no, sorry. Oh my God. The original post says, I should have started here. My apologies. My severe apologies. Didi writes on January 5th, 2011, it's physically impossible for Edward to get Bella pregnant. He has no blood. Therefore, he cannot get an erection or ejaculate. See, this was an error on Stephanie Meyer's part. And so then the OP replies, a few days later and says, whoa, I wasn't really expecting any replies to this. I was thinking when I read the book that it's actually impossible for Edward to get cough um, hard because <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> because all the blood rushes to your private parts, right? When you're um, dot, dot, dot excited. And so he had no blood. Haha, I didn't know Stephanie had an explanation. Thanks for that. I just don't get the concept of dead cells inside a vampire, which is dead, and a dead special vampire semen having the ability when inside a woman to help create a baby, when the venom or semen is actually dead. I don't know. I'm a bit confused. And then Alyssa from before comes back in and says, my biggest problem with her. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Alyssa replies back and says, eggs can be, can only be fertilized by sperm because they are living cells that carry the specific DNA to the egg. They are alive. None of Edward's cells are alive. And even if he has 
still some sperm in his specialized semen venom, the sperm is no longer functional. Besides, somehow vampires magically grow two new pairs of chromosomes when they are changed. Carlisle says they have 25 pairs. The two extra pairs wouldn't just recombine with themselves. It doesn't match up to a human's 23 pairs, and that's the essential part of reproduction at a cellular level. But yeah, since it's her book and she admits it's not really possible, like I said, I'll be satisfied. I just don't like how she seems to think it's a logical scientific explanation when it's not. Hey, dude, a logical, a logical scientific explanation for vampire semen? Get a hold of yourself. <laughs> I cannot. I did not read this forum last night. I can't believe that I found this. This is pure gold. Um, I loved the, I loved the cough hard. The blood rushes to your private parts when you're um dot 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 excited. I love, I love that. We just all used to get on the internet and post bullshit. I say that as if that's not what I do every single day to this day. Back to the generative AI, because that answer includes a bullet-pointed list of other theories about how vampires might get an erection. This list includes blood flow. Vampires might have a different digestive system where blood enters their veins and creates blood flow. Some popular literature suggests vampires need to drink blood first to get an erection. Some popular literature, I am begging you to cite your sources. What is that literature? I need to know who is writing popular liter literature about the science behind vampire boners. The second bullet point is fluid. A fluid similar to venom in their mouths works as a lubricant between the cells, which makes movement possible. I don't know what the fuck that is. That's some generative AI crap right there. The last thing on the bullet pointed list is pneumatic pump. Vampires might have a pneumatic pump installed, which I, I can't. I am so obsessed. A pneumatic pump? I, you guys, I googled the pneumatic pump and it is like a freight tool. It's like a liquid pump. They're like hundreds of dollars. They're like pneumatic pumps are versatile and low maintenance and are used in many industries. When choosing a pneumatic pump, you consider things like the pump's flow rate, head power and efficiency. It's an oil extractor pump. I don't think that's what they meant to say. I think they meant to be referring to like what I would call like a penis pump. I don't know. What is that called? Yeah. To, to my knowledge, it's just called the penis pump. A battery-powered penis pump for erectile dysfunction used to draw blood into the penis to create an erection. This is from the Mayo Clinic. Guys, I, my, if anyone ever finds my internet search history, I am done for. I can literally never run for public office. Can you imagine the girls if they got their hands on this and I was a public servant? Good grief. Um... Yeah, a penis pump is one of a few treatment choices that might help. It's a device made of these parts, a plastic tube that fits over the penis, hand or power, battery-powered pump attached to the tube, a band that fits around the base of the penis once it is erect called the tension ring. A penis pump is sometimes called a vacuum pump or a vacuum erection device. So I think, okay, so I actually think that that's probably, that's like a decent explanation. I do, I'm obsessed with the idea that every vampire canonically has a penis pump. Like that is hysterical, is it not? Okay, now I'm on Quora. 
I love Quora. You guys, I started getting the Quora emails, like daily Quora roundup emails sent to my inbox years ago, years and years and years and years ago. And I will never unsubscribe because people ask the most out of pocket questions on this website. Here's one for you. If vampires don't have blood pressure, how do they get an erection? This is an answer from six years ago from Lily G, a self-proclaimed vampire expert. She says, personally, I wouldn't claim that vampires have no blood pressure or blood flow. After all, they drink blood and that blood doesn't just disappear. Vampires would probably have a different digestive system where the blood enters their veins and that blood creates a blood flow. Thus, erections are possible. In some popular literature, vampires need to drink blood first in order to get an erection, which supports this theory. Okay, so, okay, so Google generative AI literally just ripped that entire sentence and took credit for it. That's plagiarism, right? Anyway, moving on. The reality is that in the olden days, people didn't associate blood flows with erections and figured that it, quote, just happened. Not a lot of thought was put into the correlation between a blood flow and an erection. Apparently, Da Vinci, Da Vinci, was the one who discovered that erections were caused by blood. So before his time, people didn't know about the relation between blood flows and erections. We can thus conclude that vampire lore, which is a lot older, the first accounts of vampire-like beings are over 4,000 years old, does not include explanations for this. Vampire myths are really old, but extensive knowledge of the human anatomy and biology is not. The lore doesn't explain how it is possible to have sex as a male vampire without a blood flow. But in certain stories, vampires do have a blood flow and a heartbeat. Cool. Thank you, Lily. That was very helpful. Very illuminating. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that was this was a really important conversation to have. Um, I just think that it's really important for me to use my platform to talk about really important things like vampire erections. So anyway. Oh, my God. The related questions because on Quora, here are the related questions for the one that I was just reading. Let's say vampires exist and they feed on human blood. Does that mean they are evil for killing humans? I don't see killing for food as being evil. It's no different than we humans killing animals like cows or deer. Any thoughts on this? (laughs) The next one. If a vampire saw an attractive girl with curves crying in the night while sitting down on a bench and she would mistaken them for a human and she is kind to them and has a warm heart... Will they still eat her or will they turn her or help her out? I got to click on that one. They got me. Hook, line, and sinker. When did this question get written? Three years ago, it seems. This is just someone who wants someone to write smut for them, right? Vampire smut? If a vampire saw an attractive girl with curves crying in the night while sitting down on a bench... (laughs) I am obsessed with the fact that the writer of this question had to clarify that the woman had curves, okay? It's not just a girl. It's an attractive girl with curves crying in the night while sitting on a bench, okay? Get it right. Here's another excellent question someone poses on Quora.com. .com. When a vampire bites a person, they become a vampire. And when a werewolf bites bites a person, they become a werewolf. What happens when a vampire bites a werewolf or a werewolf bites a vampire? Are you guys curious? I sure am. 
As far as I can recall from traditional folklore, the stories don't overlap much. Folklore, unlike constructed novels, don't necessarily try to world build or fill in the gaps to create a believable, coherent background. They just tell the story they're there to tell. You never know why Red Riding Hood wears a red cloak or why her grandmother would live in the woods. The facts just are. In a novel, you could never just leave them that way. This is like a very well-written response. In a few cases, werewolves drinking a vampire's blood can cause a bond between the two that might variously subject the werewolf to vampiric control or grant the werewolf additional powers, additional strength, or both. In general, the blood has to be freely given on the vampire's part, though most werewolves don't get a boost by just running around biting vampires. The story reason for that is usually magic, but the practical reason is that a werewolf's main weapons are teeth and claws, and if they had to worry about subjecting themselves to vampiric control every time they bit or scratched a vampire, it would make fight scenes problematic. Okay, from Mary. In the Twilight universe, when a vampire bites a werewolf, they die. Vampire venom is poisonous to them. When a werewolf fights a vampire, the vampire also usually dies, but only because the werewolf is trying to kill them. They never bite a vampire casually, as the risk of being poisoned by vampire venom is too great. Okay, so there you have it. Any questions, class? <laughs> Any questions? Can I get a show of hands? Okay, I'm going to pivot uh, directions here real quick because I have an emergency breaking news interjection that I need to talk about. I literally just opened Instagram to check my Instagram um, because I saw that I had a message that I needed to reply to. What was the first post that showed up on my home feed? It was a post from Eric Roberts. Yes, of course, Dr. Beck himself. If you haven't listened to my Stalked by the My Doctor episode, I would recommend doing that. I think it's called The Doctor Will See You Now. I think it's maybe my third or fourth episode. Um, but Stuck by My Doctor is a franchise uh, or like a series of Lifetime original movies. There are five of them. They star Eric Roberts, Julia Roberts' brother, obviously, as Dr. Beck. Um, and yes, I follow him on Instagram. Yes, I follow him on Instagram because he posts like such a boomer, okay? I see a post from him. That is a picture of a movie, like, like a movie advertisement in New York. <laughs> and it says Matt Reif and Eric Roberts. And my jaw drops because I have a vested interest in Matt Reif, obviously. And by that, I mean that I wish I could fight him with my bare hands, right? And what I immediately put together was that this will not be the first time that Eric Roberts and Matt Reif are sharing this, the silver screen because Matt Reif had a brief role in one of the stock by my doctor movies. <laughs> he has a bit part as one of the character's boyfriends. He dies. Dr. Vec does kill him. I think not a spoiler. Trust me. Watch the movie. Watch the movie. Do yourself a favor. It is. It deserves every Oscar every Grammy, every Tony, like genuinely every, everyone in every stock by my doctor movie should have an EGOT. Okay. I mean it. I'm being dead serious. Serious as a heart attack. But yeah, I remember when I was watching stuck by my doctor, a sleepwalker's nightmare. And I saw Matt Reif. I didn't recognize him right away, but I remember I turned to Ty and I was like, that guy looks like a TikTok comedian. Like he just kind of like looks like a TikTok comedian. And I looked him up and I was like, oh my God, he, it literally is a TikTok comedian. It's Matt Reif. Because at the time, I only knew him from his crowd work videos on TikTok. I think that is how 
most people know Matt Reif. I don't know. Maybe there are some, if there are any Matt Reif heads listening to this podcast, I want to know why, first of all. Second of all, sorry, because I have nothing good to say about him. But will I watch the movie, the new movie starring him and Eric Roberts when it comes out? Probably. Like, I probably will. Like, I'll definitely watch it when it hits streaming, okay? And I'm not going to hide that. We can all have our, we can all, women are allowed to have hobbies, okay? And my hobbies happen to be the intersection of Matt Reif and Eric Roberts' acting roles. (laughs) Oh my God. Why does anyone listen to this podcast? It's crazy. There are just, every time I post an episode, I, like, people download it. And I go, okay, well then I guess I'll make another one. Okay, I guess I'll make another one. Because I've said it once and I'll say it again. I would definitely make this podcast even if no one listened. But it is like, like it just keeps, like I've only had it for three full months, right? Like November, December, January. But when I look at my analytics, the chart just keeps going up month to month. Like there are just more downloads every month than the last. And I'm like, oh my God oh my God, like people actually listen to what I have to say. And then I hop on the mic and what do I talk about? I talk about vampire dick for an hour. Anyway, I don't even think that I ever told you guys the name of the movie. The movie with um, Eric Roberts and Matt Reif is called Private Eye. Yeah, it's called The Private Eye and it is billed as a mystery thriller comedy. I'm going to watch the trailer. Okay, hold tight. Oh my God, that movie looks so, 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 so bad. I just watched the official trailer for the 2024 movie, The Private Eye on YouTube. And I can't believe this is a major motion picture that is being released in theaters. Like it looks like a made for TV movie. Like it is giving Lifetime. I mean, like, honestly, it's giving... It's giving like threat level midnight production value. (laughs) Looks really bad. And Matt Reif is a detective, it seems, with his giant fish lips and jaw implants. What a crazy looking guy, dude. Matt Reif is turning into a Bogdanoff twin. Okay, I got (laughs) to I need a visual here. I'm pulling up visuals constantly as I'm recording this podcast, and because it's not a, a, a visual medium, you don't see, but just know that I am looking at the Bogdanoff twin right now, Bogdanoff twins. Um, if you don't know these freaks, they are these French celebrities that, they're definitely both dead now. Um, yeah, they died in 2022 and 2021, respectively, only a month apart, December 21 and January 2022. Um, but they were, they were French twin television presenters, producers, and essayists who from the 1970s on presented various subjects in science fiction, popular science, and cosmology. So they were just kind of like personalities in France, but they got so much plastic surgery done, like extreme, extreme plastic surgery. And they have these insane lips, insane chin fillers, lip fillers, like, (laughs) cheekbone fillers like fucking crazy okay so I think Matt Reif needs to take a look at the Bogdanoff twins to see a to see a glimpse into his future respectfully with peace and love 
Anyway, I'm not entirely sure what Eric Roberts' role is in that movie. He said like one line in the trailer and I was unclear as to his involvement in the movie. But it's only in theaters on February 9th and I really don't want to go give money to this movie, but I actually, curiosity might kill the cat on this one and I might have to go see it just so I can, you know, I can write it off, okay? Like it would be research. It would be research for the podcast because obviously I would come back and make an episode about it. So I guess if that is something of interest, if you, if you yourself, I only need one person to tell me that they want me to go see Private Eye and do a podcast about it. So if that's you, please let me know. I would be happy to be of service. Okay. Honestly, if zero people ask, I would probably still do it. (laughs) I was going to talk about um, my evolving working theory surrounding gossip and storytelling and my three tiers of gossip um, that I've been developing. But I realize now that I am at over an hour. (laughs) And I think that it would be easier for me to include that portion of the episode in its own episode, seeing as though we have been down many rabbit holes. We have gone on many tangents today so far. I'm going to move that agenda item to next week. So we will be putting a pin in that and circling back in one week's time. Um, The thing I need to talk about now is that I am currently recording this at 4.37 p.m. That is the current local time on the West Coast of the USA. And the Grammys are tonight. Okay, and so I think that maybe the red carpet has begun. Tough to say. Oh my God, yes. Oh my God, I'm so glad we get to do this together, you guys. I love this. Um, I am going to go look at the red carpet looks. Who is there? Oh my God. Okay, People Magazine, thank you. Whoa, dude. Oh my God. Miley Cyrus, is that her for real? She has like this, her dress is kind of cool, but she has like this 70s style Farrah Fawcett blowout that made me gasp because she looks kind of unrecognizable Billie Eilish and Phineas Billie Eilish is wearing Billie Eilish Billie Eilish is dressed like someone who manages a McDonald's location but like the good McDonald's location like she is She is wearing an outfit to the Grammys tonight that would indicate that she runs a McDonald's franchise like the goddamn Marines. You know what I mean? The ice cream machine would never be broken. Uh, Jamila Jamil. Okay. Victoria Monet. I kind of like that dress. I love... This is like probably the worst thing I could possibly be doing on a podcast medium because no one... No one can see what I'm referencing. You guys know who I'm looking for, though, right? Like, you know I'm looking for Taylor Swift. I don't think she's here. Dua Lipa. <gasps> okay, Dua Lipa is wearing, like, this long-sleeved gown with this really deep V that looks like it goes almost to her belly button. Um, but it looks like fringe. It's like metallic fringe with an alligator necklace. I think an alligator necklace. I kind of fuck with that. That's pretty cool. Skrillex is look. <laughs> I'm on the people.com just like updated pictures of people who are coming in on the red carpet and this picture of Skrillex he is looking so four feet tall how tall is Skrillex he genuinely looks so tiny in this picture is it an optical illusion how tall is Skrillex five five okay 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 so he is short that checks out (gasps) okay I love Kelly Osbourne's dress actually surprisingly (laughs) 
Poigenius is wearing all white, all white. I fuck with it. I don't know who Carly Pierce is, but I kind of don't like what she's rocking. Jack Antonoff looks like any guy going to a wedding. Lauren Daigle is wearing um, like a top hat, like a flat brimmed top hat. And this giant tool dress situation, it looks like she got it from Magnolia Pearl. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like if Magnolia Pearl designed a dress for the Grammys. And that's all I'm going to say. All black is the look for men this year, apparently. Because Billy Joel, black on black on black on black. Um, Josh Groban, black on black on black on black. We then have Zach Bryan, black on black. Noah Kahn, black on black. Oh my God, Jacob Collier. I don't know who this is, but he has a fun outfit on. Patchwork pants, patchwork suit jacket, blazer type thing. Bright pink turtleneck. I fuck with this look. Who is this guy? Jacob Collier, singer-songwriter. Um... Ed Sheeran is wearing what appears to be a camouflage number. Gracie Abrams looks cute. Caroline Polachek is slaying. Oh, my God. And that's it. Now I'm at the end of the list. I skipped over some people that I didn't know, but Taylor is not there yet. She has not made an appearance yet. Um, But she did bring... Or she didn't bring anything. She changed her Instagram profile picture to be black and white. So it was like the Midnight's cover. And then this morning, everyone realized that it was no longer in color. It was black and white. So we are all patiently awaiting a rep TV announcement tonight. I'm going to clown. I'm going to be in the streets clowning. And I'm not going to acknowledge when things don't, don't turn out the way that I thought they would. But I don't know. The black and white profile picture is kind of a telltale sign. Like, I don't know. Because, and then also people were thinking that she was going to announce it during her Tokyo shows, which are next weekend. But I would, I don't know. I feel like if she wins tonight, I think she's going to announce Rep Taylor's version. Okay, I'm calling it. I'm putting money on it. Okay, guys, I think it is time that we start riding this wave back into the shore We start climbing back up the hill, you know, putting our board on top of the car, peeling off the wetsuit, (laughs) driving home. I think I think it's time we end this episode is what I'm trying to get at there. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, Um, I actually depending on what happens at the Grammys, I am I do like the Grammys. That's like my favorite awards show. I just like it. And I know I literally last week or whenever the whenever I think it was last week I was talking about how like award show culture is like see, like more and more out of touch, but like I do still like the Grammys and the Oscars. Like those are the two that I will like keep up with. Like I'll be on Twitter, like I'll be checking the updates. I'm not going to watch. Like no, like first of all I don't have cable, so I can't. I don't have a way to watch the Grammys on streaming. Um, Also, it's just kind of boring. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just watch the good clips that circulate online during the the airing. So I don't know. But if anything like big happens, if Taylor Swift does some fuck ass shit, like I'm definitely going to be recording another episode 
a bonus episode um, that I might post midweek. But other than that, I will be back next week. I I need to talk to you about this like half-baked theory that I have surrounding um, like gossip culture and like the different tiers of gossip that I think kind of exist in our social dynamics as humans but that'll be next week I gotta give you something to look forward to okay I gotta keep you coming back I gotta keep you coming back for more but if you made it to this far in the episode thank you so much here's your kiss thanks for being here I love you deeply dearly more than you could ever know if you you know enjoyed the show I would be forever indebted to you if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts Um, And if you write, because you can just tap five stars and I love that. You know what I mean? Like I love that. But what I love extra, extra, extra is when people write a review. So if you want to write a review, I would love to read that on the podcast. So if you write a review, I will read it on air. Okay, so go write a little review. I will be so happy and so thankful and I'll be giving you an extra little kiss spiritually of course and don't forget to subscribe follow the show so you never miss an episode I am here every Monday pretty much um if not more (laughs) and then if you are so inclined the podcast does have an Instagram that is at obscurapod no dashes no periods no underscores whatever just Obscurapod, one word. I don't post very much on there. I'm still kind of trying to figure out what I want to do with that account. I like can't really figure out like how to post regularly or like what to post on there. Um, but my regular account, Olivia Stober Studios, you can keep up with me there. I post way more frequently on there every day. Um, and then TikTok, you can also keep up with me there um, at Olivia Stober Studios as well. And sometimes I like post little bits of like things that I'm like noodling on, like things that I'm tossing around in the old noggin um, as like a short video on TikTok. And then every once in a while, they make their way to the podcast as more fully fleshed out opinions and theories. So if you want to see how the sausage is made, um, go check out my TikTok. But yeah, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Um, Thanks for listening. And I will see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Love you. Bye.